Hey there, welcome to the show. Well, I hope everybody's enjoying their Sunday. So I uh, got a great lineup for you today, by the way. Um, first and foremost, I've got David Wilkes joining me shortly, and he is the president and CEO of Build. And uh, a little bit later, then I've got the president and CEO of Royal Page, Phil Soper, joining me. And then to cap off the day, I've got the president of ResCon, Richard Lyle, joining me. We are going to talk about the construction strikes and what is going on in the construction world. So I don't think you want to miss any part of the show. And uh, again, it's going to be a great lineup. Uh, it's kind of like a president show that we've got. And uh, I do want to thank everybody that tuned in on Thursday evening with me for my Simple Real Estate Investment webinar. Uh, great to see how many people logged in and hopefully everybody you know, got just a little bit of information about what's going on with the interest rates and what's going to happen in the investment world of real estate. You know, I try to always give you a bit of an outline on where it looks like it's going to go, what direction you should be looking at if you want to own investment real estate in the future. And speaking of the future, as you, if you did catch the, uh, the webinar or you've gone to our website, coming up on Tuesday, that's right, this Tuesday at 9 a.m., you can secure your investment townhome. That's right, we've got two-bedroom townhomes for only one ninety nine nine. And uh, those are up in North Bay. We've got our other uh, new release out in London as well. So if you're interested, that's when you can uh, reserve a unit. And uh, that's coming up. That's right. That's this Tuesday at 9 a.m. Go to simpleinvestor.com. You can find out more details. But as I mentioned, we've got some great guests lined up. The The market is, uh, you know, it's doing some funny things. People are sitting there saying it's going to go down. Well, that's why I'm going to go to the experts. But I'll tell you, the only thing that's happening right now is volume. And that's because everybody's keeping a watchful eye on interest rates. And, you know, it is important, obviously, but interest rates are going to, they're going to be a little bit more upward pressure, probably. We're going to see another half point increase coming from the Bank of Canada. Then we're going to see what they'll do for the summer. They might just put it in neutral for a while and see how the economy adjusts. So joining me now, no stranger to the show, David Wilkes. He is the president and CEO of Build. That is the building industry and land development. And David's joined me uh, quite a few times over the last few years. Dave, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to have a chat. Great having you on. Um, you know, I uh, just thought I'd let you know a little bit later on, I'm going to be having the president of ResCon, Richard Lyle, join me. And um, I know that both of you, you know, are, are working in the building industry. And I got to tell you, it's uh, it seems like right now it's a big headline in the news. And, you know, I'm excited to have your take on things such as strikes. But more importantly, you and I have to kind of dive in today, I hope, into a little bit more about our, um, our, our our trades. You know, it seems like we have people that are going to be retiring and it just, you know what, we need more people to start building properties because I think we're going to have even a bigger inventory shortage. So Dave, maybe you can bring me up to speed on how we're doing right now this year. Yeah, so um, thanks. And uh, Rich uh, Lyle, Richard Lyle and myself are uh, great colleagues. So uh, I'm, uh, I look forward to hearing what he, uh, what he has to say and uh, Obviously, they are focusing on a lot, of, a lot of the challenges right now, if you will, around the labor relations and the, the ongoing strike. So um, he'll be a great uh, guest for your for your listeners. And, you know, it's it's a fascinating time to be um, uh, leading build and responsible for, uh, for providing insight and input on various housing issues. Um, the number of factors affecting housing, uh, Todd, are are 
I, you know, folks that have been in the industry a lot longer than I just say they've never seen a time like this from material uh, increases, from labor shortages, as we'll chat, chat about. You know, um, strikes come and go, but the, it's compounding uh, the current uh, problem. We have historic supply uh, challenges. We have a market that's being influenced by short-term impacts, um, interest rate changes. And we saw on the existing stock, which is not our, our bailiwick, but you know, where where April sales declined. So we have potentially the greatest mix of factors that have impacted housing in a long, long time. And I think the challenge is is not to take our eye off the long-term needs of the market, bringing more supply and focus on those issues that are urgent as of today, fluctuations in interest rates, et cetera. So to me, our responsibility at BUILD is make sure we continue to focus on those long-term solutions and while recognizing the impact of the short-term ones, not be overly distracted by them. You know, uh, Dave, you and I have talked a lot about it uh, in the past and, you know, supply and demand. And, you know, even though we are going to get some upward pressure on the interest rates, and that was expected. I mean, we were so historically low. It was, was, you know, to the point of silliness almost. But, you know, once we normalize interest rates, I still believe the demand, because the demand isn't just because of interest rates. And this is what a lot of people thought was driving the market. But what we found is that when you take a look at a vacancy rate, if it's, you know, home ownership or being rental, you know, we're, we're running historic low numbers right now. Obviously, immigration has a has a big part of it, but people themselves have decided that, you know, they want their own primary residence. You know, we've got a different demographic that's coming up. It's time for them to have home ownership. You know, I believe that these drivers, as you said, um, I think that we need to be not just looking one to five years in in advance, you know, 20 years down the road. You know, how many properties are we going to need in Ontario and how are we ever going to meet these numbers? You know, we've got a provincial election that's coming up and we've got a lot of politicians saying, oh, we're going to add this much inventory. But I think I think the numbers are laughable because, you know, you as an industry build, I mean, you could take every single employee, every single tradesperson you've got, you'd never catch up to what they're saying they're going to build, which, you know, a lot of times they're using government contractors. I just don't know how we're ever going to meet these demands. There's a lot there, Todd. But yes, there's so. So let me let me tell you how we look at it. So uh, demand, we agree, is not going away uh, for all the reasons that you've indicated. We had a, a pandemic-influenced market, and I hope I can use the word pandemic in the past tense, um, <clears throat> that fueled demand, uh, facilitated, as you've indicated, by low interest rates and a, and a very um, changing psyche around the need for a, home, a house and a home and what it provided. That really fueled the market in the last two, three years. And we're seeing, as interest rates increase, the, the if you will, the, the, the metering back of that, but you nailed the uh, to your pun intended on the head when we have strong demand. We had historic shortages of about 10,000 units uh, for homes in the GTA going into the pandemic. As immigration continues, as household formations continues, as people migrate towards urban areas, we're going to continue to have a shortage of supply. And that's why I, I caution that we can't be distracted by these short-term influences while we focus on the overall needs of supply. I mean, Housing Affordability Task Force, which I was very proud to be a member of, indicated we needed 1.5 more million homes over the next several decades. So, so you're right. And the challenges are there. 
No question. We need more labor. We need to structure our immigration policies to facilitate that labor. But what I think that governments need to focus on at the provincial level, but increasingly so at the municipal level, is really a revolution in the way that we plan and process and tax new housing. Because we have a system that was built for the 1960s and 70s, and we need a system that recognizes the densities that are required, the, uh, the type of housing, where it should be built, building that infrastructure, that long-term growth. We need that strategy now for the residents of the GTA for the 20, 2020s to the 2050s and 60s. So we need a complete change, in my opinion. I think that's a tall order as well. And you and I both know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be the next government, whoever that is, can achieve this. I think that they're they're lagging so badly. And again, this isn't just indicative of the government that we have in place today. I think as you, you, you and I both agree, we've had a run up for the last probably 30, 40 years of the inadequate numbers and forecasting about what we're truly going to need. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's where uh, we do agree. We've had a historic shortage. We have a legacy problem that is getting worse. But, you know, I, I refuse uh, to suggest that it is a tall order. There are, there is a consensus with bank commentators, media commentators, uh, you know, those in educational institutes, uh, the task force that I referred to either that the solution, the long-term solution to affordability is more supply. There have been many roadmaps put forward on how to create that supply, uh, shortening the amount of time that it takes to uh, approve new projects. Um, recognizing that the densities and the, the the designations within our cities need to change. You know, that uh, to, to get a little bit of inside baseball, uh, most of the city of Toronto is designated R1, which is single family housing. We need to look at the land that we have within the city and re- redefine that, rezone that for greater uh, density projects that, that can be built uh, quicker. We need to look at the areas around the GTA, recognizing and excluding the, the green belt, because you know this government and in our industry recognizes that that uh, plays a, a different role within our communities and, and, and development will not take place there. But those areas near our urban boundaries and designating them for growth for the next 30 and 40 years is starting to build that infrastructure that is required to facilitate uh, more homes uh, in those areas. So, so Todd, I believe that you know you don't you don't finish until you start. I think the elections uh, that we're currently in with the provincial uh, governments, uh, vote people voting on June second, and then the municipal ones uh, later this year, October twenty fourth, I believe, if my memory serving. Um, we need to have these discussions now, and we need to challenge our candidates for offices. What are you going to do? Don't promise numbers. What are the what are the specifics that you're we're going to make in order to improve and revolutionize the planning and processing? Well, Dave, listen, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. And, um, you know, as we get towards the election, I'll definitely reach out to you again and maybe we can chat more. But thank you once again for joining me today. I uh, always enjoy it. And I always feel that we don't have enough time. So please say hi to Rich for me and uh, have a great day. So that was David Wilkes, president and CEO of Build. And when we come back, I've got Phil Soper joining me, president and CEO of Royal Page. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest joining me, he's no stranger to the show. I like touching base with him. You know, every few months when I can, Phil Soper, he is the president and CEO at Royal LePage. And Phil, welcome back to the show. Uh, great to be on, as always. You know, um, you and I haven't spoken in a couple of months. You know, I think uh, it was right around just the turn of the new year, and we were talking about what our, what we could anticipate this year for activity. Maybe you can take us through a little bit of the spring market. Phil, tell us where we are and where we should be going, even with the interest rate hikes. The first quarter continued the the, the very high level of uh, activity and price, price uh, appreciation that we saw through the end of 2020 and right through 2021. But as anticipated, uh, things are slowing as we move uh, into the spring, uh, the, the calendar spring, not the real estate uh, spring market, which started you know, a couple of months ago. Uh, so we're seeing prices continue to appreciate because the severe uh, shortage of homes relative to demand uh, is still there. So there's more people searching for homes than are available. But the big change is this particular expansion, expansionary period where where the number of homes trading hands is so much higher than normal is uh, is fading as we as we anticipated. We expected uh, the, the the correction would occur in the second half of 2022. And it's it's right on schedule. So we're seeing, oh, gosh, uh, 40% fewer homes uh, trading hands now than uh, at this time in 2021, which was the height of the, call it COVID catalyst for a real estate market. So volumes are down, but prices are still up. But remember, volume changes are a leading indicator. They happen first, and then we see, we see things change on the price side uh, a few weeks or a, a couple of months later. Bill, I'm glad you brought it up that way because, you know, again, right now, headlines are saying, you know, sales are down. You know, unfortunately, sometimes the headlines are a little misleading. It sounds like the actual market's correcting. And again, you know, we do hear there are people that are weighing in saying that we could be looking at a market correction. But if we're taking a look at the price perspective and if the volume is truly down, I mean, one of the things I think we can take note of right now is that there's also not a lot of inventory in the marketplace. And with, you know, some of the upward pressure on the interest rates right now, do you think we're going to have a a downward turn in pricing or do you just think that we're not going to get the same percentage of increase as we did within the first quarter? You know, good point. I think it's important to step back and take a look at the overall health of Canada's real estate industry. And it's excellent. And the prospects for the next 10, 15 years are excellent. The household formation continues to rise. And even with uh, the the federal and provincial money coming into uh, the market to try to play some catch up on the shortage of homes, we're not going to have enough homes. We're not going to catch up completely uh, over the next decade. It's, it's going to take longer than that. So there is going to be price appreciation in Canadian real estate and in Ontario real estate uh, for the, the years to come. But if you look at 2021, that was not a healthy market. When, when 
when uh, prices are up 30%, you know something's going to break. So what we pray for in the industry is what we call a soft landing uh, from these periods of irrational exuberance. Uh, we hope that things will slow uh, approaching normal with without a sharp correction. And I don't see a sharp correction. I see because the it, prices are up 30%, so is volumes. So anybody who's been in this industry more than more than a couple of years knows that that is completely unsustainable and, and not even healthy. It's it's it was like a, a tsunami of demand that we couldn't couldn't satisfy. So we're we're normalizing. We're going back to uh, towards single digit price appreciation in this industry. And, and that's a good thing. Now, along the way, there could be a uh, uh, a brief period where prices on a year-over-year basis are softer, uh, but I don't think it'll be—I don't think it'll be large. And certainly for any consumer who's been in, got in the market over the last couple of years, my expectation is their investment is completely, completely safe, and it'll continue to appreciate, even if we see, say, a five percent price down in a certain period. We see that occasion. We saw it in two thousand and. Uh, uh, we saw it in 2009, we saw it in 2012, we saw it in 2017, we saw it in 2020. So, but but it tends to last a very short period of time. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you go out to 2020, it, it was probably five weeks that uh, prices were actually soft. They dropped about 6% in, um, in the uh, second quarter of 2020 before starting on this uh, incredible run we've had. Yeah, I think some economists call it a blip. And, you know, in the, in that case, I mean, we did see it. And as you mentioned, it's very, very short. So let's talk about interest rates. You know, I, I think what's happening, and, and unfortunately, you know, when you have low interest rates for more than, let's say, six months, you know, we, we kind of got spoiled there for two years. I think what it does is it kind of numbs people to what real interest rate should be. And we saw the same thing back in, as you mentioned, 2017, when we saw the market dip, you know, we did see upward pressure on the interest rates then too. So here we are, interest rates, Bank of Canada, you know, suggesting that they're going to be doing probably another half point interest. But the truth, truth be told, I mean, you know, that's going to put us into more of a normal number, you know, that 3%, 3.5% interest rate. Again, you know, I guess it's... It, you know, educating the public that that should be more of the norm as opposed to that's the high watermark. Well, no, you're absolutely right. We're still not back to where we were in 2019. And we had anticipated, I mean, it's only three years ago, but it seems like an eternity because of the, the pandemic. We had anticipated a rising interest rate environment in 2020. Why? Because uh, we had a market correction in 2017 and 18. It's a small one. But, you know, this is not a straight line, straight line industry. It's got got waves and uh, interest rates were rather low. And we anticipated them ticking up. Uh, this is prior to the pandemic. In fact, the pandemic hit and they went exactly the opposite direction. Well, now they're heading back uh, to normal, but we're still not quite back. We'll be there soon, but we're not quite back to where we were uh, pre-pandemic. And uh, we'll probably go a little higher. Uh, than we were pre-pandemic, but we're certainly nowhere near where we were, uh, say, in 2011, and nowhere near where we were in 2001. So, you know, if you look at look at kind of decade to decade, 
um, we're still in a very, very low interest rate uh, environment. So, Phil, you know, you mentioned that the real estate industry is healthy. I understand you're on the road now, uh, a little bit more traveling. Things have freed you up a little. And uh, can you tell us, you know, what, what what's happening in the real estate world? Yeah, I was in Prince Edward Island last week, uh, opening um, a, uh, a a new office, which is great. You know, it's a big celebration. Uh, we had a, a, a some new commercial developments uh, in Charlottetown. Partnership with CMHC on um, uh, developing affordable housing. Uh, we're seeing more more of that projects where where. Uh, we're able to participate and help help uh, people that are struggling with the cost of uh, housing. Uh, I've been in Fredericton, Moncton over the last couple of weeks, uh, meeting with folks. And right now I'm in San Antonio, uh, Texas, for a, a long delayed uh, meeting of uh, real estate CEOs from across uh, the continent. Uh, it's a think tank. And we're talking about how we can uh, deploy technology in a more efficient way to help our uh, our consumer clients and of course our realtors uh, do their jobs better more efficiently with higher satisfaction it's all good it's uh, the pent up demand for human to human touch is uh, really uh, really gratifying to see well phil listen you know it's always a pleasure having you join me and i do look forward to actually having you come to the new studio that we're uh, we're constructing we're nice. hoping to be opening up in nice. july so be great to, to see you once again, and I appreciate you joining me this week, especially because you are on the road, and great catching up with you. Okay, you take care, and uh, good luck with your move. Thanks so much, folks. That was Phil Soper, and when we come back, we've got more, so stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Um, you know, one of the things that I think we all should be aware of is how important construction is to all of us, not just, you know, to you wanting to get a new home, you know, not to people that want to buy investment properties, but how important it is to the overall economy of not just Ontario, also Canada, but the world. And so instead of, you know, you know, keep trying to reiterate some of the news that's out there, I'd rather go to the source and find out exactly what is going on in the world of construction. So, you know, joining me now is going to be the president of ResCon, uh, Richard Lyle. And just so you know, ResCon is the Residential Construction Council of Ontario. And Richard, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Todd. Thank you. So I really appreciate you joining me today because obviously there's a lot of lot of things that are going on in the world of construction. You know, Toronto being one of the biggest um, construction cities in the world right now. We've probably got more cranes in the sky than anybody. Can you tell us what is going on? You know, we, we know that you, you can turn around and have labor issues and strikes and everything else. Maybe you can bring us up to the forefront of exactly what is happening today um, with this situation. Well, currently, as, as you know and your listeners know, uh, this uh, past Monday, we had a half a dozen strikes uh, start in the residential sector. Uh, we do have just over 30 different groups that have been at the negotiating table for a number of months now, um, by way of statute, by the way, uh, you know, this happens every three years uh, and, uh, you know, it's a good system and uh, for the most part, but of course, sometimes uh, things go off the rails and uh, you have some strikes. Um, I'd also add that we do have a number of settlements that have been reached and some arbitrations uh, over 10 of those. And there are some deals that have yet to be ratified. They're what we call tentative deals. So 
there has been some progress there and there is a bit of a pattern that's formed, but um, these are unusual times. You know, we're coming out of COVID. Uh, that was very difficult. Our industry was declared a, an essential service, which it is because housing is a need. It's not just a want. For some people, it's a want. You know, I want a bigger house, a bigger kitchen or whatever, but some, you know, everybody needs shelter. So for that reason uh, and others, which principally concern our uh, ability to, or at least we were convinced we could manage through COVID and we did, we were the first industry to come up with a protocol and, and, and we did successfully do that. Now we're kind of coming out of COVID, not entirely, but we're kind of going from the frying pan into the fire here. So, uh, and a lot of people have been tired, you know, the industry, everyone in the industry has been working hard to do what we do, which is produce housing under difficult circumstances and in difficult times. Yeah, Richard, you know, your industry is facing, as you mentioned, you know, difficult times, but you've got a lot more on your plate than let's just say strikes, you know, taking a look at things such as the supply chain, you know, taking a look at the aging demographic of your trades, looking at the fact that, you know, immigration, the amount of people that are going to immigrate to Canada is going to put a, a, a larger strain on the actual supply of housing. And yet we're not having, you know, we're not mandating any form of trades to immigrate. So, you know, I, I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but it just, and, and I'm just happy to be able to talk to you about it. It just seems like, you know, the, the trade system is going to just be strained to a level that we've never seen before. Oh, uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. And we were already facing that uh, pre-COVID, you know, uh, ResCon and our team has been working on related issues for many years now. You know, we've had a basically, essentially, a two-decade failure in housing policies. Uh, we had a failure in, I think, systemically really paying attention to the demographics and uh, aligning things like transit planning and housing planning and, and getting things like uh, the growth plan right. You know, we've got this wonderful growth plan and uh, the green belt and all those things, and they're all good. But when the green belt was brought in, which was around the same time as the growth plan, there was an inherent trade-off there. We're going to stop sprawl, but we got to go higher. Well, you know, we more or less stopped most of the sprawl, but we didn't make the changes needed to allow the industry and allow uh, builders to go higher. We, you know, the the um, official plans weren't changed. Zoning wasn't changed. Um, you know, things, issues like exclusionary zoning, and there's a whole raft of uh, matters there that uh, remained unaddressed for a long time. And so you had, you still had restrictions on production and supply uh, and um, without any real answers there. So, I mean, now we're getting there. The province of Ontario gets it now, and they've made a number of changes and you got the task force report and the federal government of course, recognizes the problem now. And, you know, we've been working on immigration issues with respect to skilled trades. And of course, we've been working on uh, reforms in our education, uh, I'll call it the education system, uh, which has not really served uh, us well or the economy overall in terms of young people entering the skilled trades. I mean, you've seen those numbers, you know, the average age of an apprentice here is 29. You go to an advanced manufacturing economy like Germany, the average age of a skilled trade apprentice is 19. You know, that's a problem. So, 
you know, we've 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 got a lot of different issues to contend with, uh, and there's more. You know, like the digitization and modernization of the development and building approvals process. We're way behind, and we're very slow at getting things done, as measured by the OECD, the World Bank, and so on. We, you know, we're down at the the end of the list on developed countries and how we efficiently manage this stuff. So, a whole raft of issues. Uh, we've been at them all, but that, of course, makes the whole demand supply equation in housing very complicated. So there's no silver bullets here. I like to, I like to think of it as a silver buckshot, maybe, you know, <laughs> because there's a whole bunch of different solutions that, that need to be addressed, and they need to be addressed simultaneously. And that is happening to a certain extent. But one of the things I find very frustrating and I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or whatever, but, you know, we're just slow at change, right? We, we there, you know, and with respect to the housing supply crisis, there's just a, there's been a kind of a, a, an absence of urgency uh, uh, systemically in really getting to the tough issues. And some of the tough issues are, for example, as you know, you know, we've got more tower cranes in the sky than the next three, four or five cities in North America, which is great. And we're really good at that. And, uh, you know, and we occupy one of the best pieces of real estate on the planet, you know, so we're, we're, we're blessed to that way. But what all that really reflects is the, the dysfunctionality of our housing supply system. So we've got, we're building more low rise now. There's the COVID effect, those starts have jumped up. We're building lots of high rise, but you know, that thing called the missing middle is still missing, right? And we've been talking about that for a long time. Uh, and that's the, you know, the six to 12 story buildings along main streets and avenues that are served by mass transit. Uh, you know, we really haven't put a dent in that yet at all. And then the other thing is exclusionary zoning. You know, where you've got 70% of the land, for example, in the city of Toronto, that's residential, is basically low-rise housing. And then you get those ironies where people say, oh, my God, they're tearing down that little bungalow and putting up the monster house. It's, it's terrible. Well, they're putting up the monster house because that's the only thing they can put up. They can't put up a triplex or a fourplex or something like that. That would make a lot more sense. But, but the system won't allow it. And then don't even get me started on nimbyism or you know, the new thing, the banana, right? Build absolutely nothing anywhere. Uh, you got that going too. Now, you mentioned immigration. That's really interesting because we have a, an aging population. You know, about 22% of our workforce right now is baby boomers and the Gen Z group isn't that big. So we need the immigration, but we need to house them. And, you know, and, and you know, housing is critical and construction is critical. We're the number one industry in Ontario now. Uh, and you know, everything we walk on, move on, live in, sleep in, eat in, whatever it's, it's all stuff built by the construction industry. So it is really important that we get this right. Richard, we're going to go to a quick break, but I want you to stay put for a second. I do want to talk to you about some of the election campaign promises that are coming out to see if it's going to have much of an effect, obviously on the building industry. So folks, when I come back, I've got the president of Redscon right now with me, Richard Lyle. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is the president of ResCon, Richard Lyle, and uh, he, that is the Residential Construction Council of Ontario. Uh, a little bit earlier, we were talking about, obviously, the strike that has made the news and, you know, can slow things down. But more importantly, Richard, just before the break, you and I were talking about immigration and we were talking about, you know, the lack of housing with the same problem that we have, the lack of construction and trade workers. So, you know, we've got an upcoming election, you know, and here in Ontario and a lot of the parties, they're all, you know, they've definitely brought housing to the forefront. I I know the mention of, you know, reducing red tape has been brought, you know, they're trying to create programs that are going to make things come to fruition a little bit quicker. What's your take on some of these promises? And if you were to give, you know, the leading person some advice, what would you tell them that we need in the construction industry? Wow. So that's a big question. Uh, you know, know, that's, that's why I gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start with a lot of Canadians don't realize that we're one of the most decentralized countries in the world, right? So we've got uh, basically three main levels of government that all have their finger in the housing supply pie to one to to one degree or another. Uh, now, as I mentioned earlier, the you know it's good that the provinces and the certainly the province of Ontario and the federal government are are aligned. You know, we do have a housing supply problem, and and they have recognized, which is great, a number of the issues that are um, that need to be addressed to to fix that. Now, you still have the municipal level of of government. And uh, and that has been kind of, I'll say, overrun by nimbyism. So it's kind of like, you know, the not in my backyard. Yeah, we see there's a problem and so on and so forth. But don't change our community here. Go do it somewhere else. Well, when you get a lot of people saying the same thing, then we still have a problem. And then there is that. And then on the red tape, it's really more of we need to modernize and digitize. We're moving into the digital age and, you know, we're behind other advanced jurisdictions on how efficiently we deal with development uh, uh, approvals and building approvals. And uh, we also have antiquated zoning systems that uh, or met or regimes that don't really make sense. Uh, that don't reflect uh, what our needs are and the fact that we do have to go higher and and uh, densify, you know, like the best example of that is Danforth Avenue in Toronto, where you still have one and two story buildings above a subway system that's been there for 50 years. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Right. But the resistance to change there is is massive and getting minor changes made and and things that you know, you think would be otherwise a no brainer just takes so long. Like, for example, we're just announcing and it's a good thing that we can go up to 12 stories with mass timber buildings. Well, you know, we, we are forestry producing uh, nation lumber industry and all that stuff. And yet we're one of the last uh, jurisdictions to the table on this stuff. And, uh, you know, you go to other cities that, you know, a lot of people that are well-to-do in Ontario travel to and say, oh, they're so beautiful. Look at these wonderful six-story, eight-story buildings. And then they come home. And if you deign to propose putting up a four-story building in their neighborhood, well, let me tell you that, you know, the pitchforks and the torches come out. And it's like, how dare you even propose that? It's going to ruin our 
community and this kind of thing. And so we, we just really need to collectively get real on this stuff um, and, and connect the dots, connect the dots that, you know, we've got a bit of a brain drain starting because young people that have done everything and succeeded in, in, in fantastic ways, you know, like say, for example, in the, in the STEM world, science, technology, engineering, and math, and they're, they're leaving university into great jobs, high paying, and they can't get housing. So guess what? They're smart enough where they can leave and they're starting to, and that's, that's not good. And then service workers. I mean, just think about the, the horrible conditions that some people are living in now, substandard occupancies because shelter is a need. So people will find a place to live, but if, if the supply isn't there adequately, then they will go into occupancies that are not safe. And that's just, you know, like this is Canada. We're not a third world country. But then when you look at the third, the metrics by the OECD, we rank 34th out of 35 developed countries on how efficiently we deal with uh, getting things approved and done. So, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. And I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm very confident that these problems can be solved because they already have been solved in other jurisdictions. You know, it's not like we're trying to, you know, we're proposing some crazy idea that, oh, it's a flyer, you know, it might work, might not. No, we know these things can work. So one of the things that we're lacking right now is really an overall authority or a housing SAR or somebody or some group, because we've got 45 different government agencies that are involved in the, the approvals process. Makes your supply chain a mess. And we need to have some overall oversight on on housing supply because it's so critical. I mean, it has there's healthcare consequences to inadequate housing. There's educational consequences to inadequate housing. Mental health issues associated with this. I mean, this is really big stuff. But we, but that focus isn't there yet. Now the province, I think, has done something very good where they say well, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this every year, every year going forward, at least for the next four years. We're going to they're going to reconvene, a, a, you know, to, to, to see where we're at. Right. And, and you know, like Rescon is doing something there. We're having what we call a housing summit 2.0 on October 6th to do a little report card on, OK, all these things that happened before. Now, what what progress have we made on this stuff? Right. We know what the numbers are. It's just that we got to we got to get to it again. You know, I think I think the big thing that we have to take away from this is the fact that you know we we need construction we need more to be done and as as you said we're we're lacking in a lot of things hopefully we can bring everybody up to speed you know making it more technology friendly because i think again watching the industry itself you know you can tell that we're lacking in a lot of ways so um, I, I will say I, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show today, Richard. Um, you know, hopefully we can have you back on uh, maybe after the election and see if uh, whoever the new party is, maybe they're going to be able to do something for the building industry. But, you know, thanks once again for joining me today. Yeah. And I'm grateful that housing is a number one issue in the election, as it should be. Glad to be here. We can break down some of these subjects at a later time if you want to, because there's a lot to it. There's a lot of there's a lot of cogs in this in this machine. Thank you. So that was Richard Lyle, and he is the president of ResCon, the Residential Construction Council of Ontario. So, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times when we see things such as strikes, people get offended by that. But, you know, he did make an excellent point. It was the fact that, you know, the workers did continue right through COVID trying to do as much as possible 
And, um, you know, these industries that have gone through everything and try to keep everybody safe and keep the building going, because I'll tell you, when the construction industry, uh, you know, grinds to a halt, it really does have an effect on everybody. We know, you know, a lot of the logistics companies like shipping and trucking and things like that, same thing. You know, our economy is based on a couple of major things. And I got to tell you, real estate is really probably the biggest part of our economy as far as employment, you know, people's security, everything else. So it's amazing. You know, I always spin the, the narrative back about how important real estate is if you own it, if you, if you have it as a rental property. But it really is, you know, one of the most important things that people can turn around and have in their lives. So again, you know, appreciate uh, our guest uh, joining us today. I do want to thank... Phil Soper, the CEO of Royal Page, joining me. It's great to catch up with him. Again, I want to thank Richard Lyle for joining me and David Wilkes, president and CEO of Build. You know, David's been on our show for the last few years. And it's always great to have these conversations to get a better idea about what is going on as we turn the corner with certain things in our economy and in the world of real estate. You know, once again, I just want to reiterate uh, the fact that we do have our big release. That's right, coming up this Tuesday, May the 10th at 9 a.m. You can go to simpleinvestor.com to register so you get the notice. Uh, But we do have those two new releases, as I mentioned on my webinar on Thursday night. We've got townhomes, uh, two-bedroom townhomes starting at $199.9, and then we've got some really cool condos out in London. So if you're interested, again, Tuesday morning, 9 a.m., that's when you can turn around and get one. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty much it for, for this week. As usual, I want to thank Ian Grant for keeping it simple for me every single week, as he does. I want to thank you for tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. And of course, I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.